kind of learned to love Arkansas. I'm going to tell you something. Both of us grew up in the Mississippi Delta. And there's about that much difference between the Mississippi Delta and the Arkansas Delta. We're all a bunch of rednecks. <laughs> we just need to admit it and go on down the road. <laughs> there's a lot of love in our churches. And uh, we need to understand that, too. Our God uh, loves us, and uh, we share that love as his children with our communities. Am I on? Can y'all hear me back there? All right. <clears throat> I take those things out. I can't hear myself. So, uh, Turn to Mark this morning uh, to uh, chapter 1 and uh, go down to verse 21. We'll start there. Mark chapter 1. Verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished <coughs> excuse me, at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Just then, a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so they began to argue with, another, with one another, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame then spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons but he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before your throne today, God, with grateful hearts as we recognize who you are, God, uh, your majesty, your power, your love for us, a love that sent you to the cross. We thank you that you love us so much. As we worship you, let us 
be mindful of who you are and all the things that you've done for us to make it possible for us to have eternal life with you. God, we're unworthy at best, dirty sinners. Under your blood, we have become clean that we might be in your presence. We thank you, God. Thank you so much. Pray as we worship you together today that we would lift your name up in praise and adoration, that you would be drawn closer to each one of us in our heart, that we might live a life that is fitting and pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we uh, look at this uh, passage of Scripture, there are several things in there <clears throat> that I notice that I want to point out to you today. You probably have already seen it, but I, you know, preachers have to have something to preach about. Uh, when, you, when you look at uh, this passage of Scripture, uh, as you look early on in verse 21, you see that uh, God has the authority to teach. We need to understand that when we come to church. Look. I don't know about y'all. Mine's not so thick anymore. But we got a school book. Amen. That's what this is. God gave us something to study by. God also has authority over unclean spirits. And we notice that in this passage of Scripture. He also has power over and authority over uh, physical illnesses. And we don't. You know, we as Baptists, we don't, we don't like to get into this health and wealth and healing and feeling and all that kind of stuff too much. We're Baptists, you know. We kind of stay out of that arena. But I want you to know that our God has the power to heal. He's got uh, not just uh, power for, to heal physical illness. He can heal spiritual illness as well. And... My goodness, folks, that's the most wonderful and blessed thing about God that we need to get in our minds, that he's able to heal us from our spiritual illness. He's got the power to save. He's got the power to drive out demons. Uh, listen, he doesn't like us to, to hate, to be jealous, to be envious of others. He's uh, all-powerful, and through him we can uh, be certain that these things have been dismissed. Now, as we look at the scripture, uh, this was typical for Jesus and him going about his ministry. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath uh, and began to teach. If you read the Gospels, especially the four Gospels, you'll see every one of them, you don't have to read very far before Jesus is going to church. Now, I want to tell you something. Jesus was a busy man. He had plenty of stuff to do to occupy his time. He could be down the road somewhere doing healing or anything else. He could be anywhere in the world that he wanted to be. But on the Sabbath, he went to church. Folks, today, we in the United States of America that call ourselves Christian can find any excuse, it seems, to stay out of church. Look around us. 
I never have gotten a roll book down to see how many members we have on roll here at West Acres Baptist Church. But I guarantee you it's more than 10. Where is everybody? It was our Savior's appointed task unto himself to go to church. He knew the importance of being close to his father and close to other people who worshiped his father as well. It's important, folks, for us to assemble ourselves together. The scripture says, don't forsake the assembly. And I guarantee you, you could ride around in Helena, West Helena, you go across the river, go to Clarksdale, my hometown, you go to Batesville, where we came here from today. You could go in every church in all of those locations and you'd find them at best half full, most of them quarter full. All of them. Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, doesn't make any difference. Catholic may be a little different. They, can, they suffer condemnation if they don't go. <laughs> we need to start preaching some of that too, I think. They went to the synagogue on a Sabbath. While he was there, he began to teach. He didn't sit there quiet like a lump on a log, or not on a log, whatever you want to say. He didn't sit there quietly. He participated in the worship service. Y'all don't have the advantage of seeing y'all from my perspective. Now, you know, I, I get a lot of smiles every once in a while from y'all. <laughs> Now, I've been in some churches and preached to some congregations looked like a bunch of stones sitting there. Looked like bullfrogs. Now, you, you giggle. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen them. I'm just so happy to be here. I guess that's why you doze off and go to sleep about halfway through the message, huh? Jesus was happy to be in the presence of God's people and the presence of God in the church. That's why he went so much. And when he went there, he taught. And the people, the people in, the, in the synagogues, in all the places where they went to worship, when Jesus began to teach. Now, they had a, a special custom. Just about anybody that wanted to teach could teach. You know, they just... They'd ask for a scroll, and they'd hand them that scroll, and they'd start teaching out of it. Just about everybody had that privilege. When Jesus went in, he got the scripture in his hand, and he started reading, and he started teaching. And they discovered something about him when he started. There was something special about this man. He had a little more going than most of the priests did. He had a little more going than most of the deacons did. He had a little more going than just the average person that came to church. He had a little more going. He was amazing. He taught the scripture with authority. We don't have a whole lot of that going on anymore. We have too many churches and too many ministers that have sugar-coated the gospel. Made it possible for people to do just about anything and have access to heaven. And that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches there's only one way to get to God in the afterlife. There's only one way. There's one door. His name is Jesus Christ. 
If you don't go through that door, you don't go. Every other door you can pick besides Jesus leads to hell. That's an ugly word we don't like to say in church anymore. But folks, that's, that's the truth. We need to understand that. Verse 23 says, Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, and he cried out, What did Jesus do? Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. He had authority over unclean spirits. Now, the Jews were absolutely amazed. The church people were amazed that he had this kind of authority. Now, folks, I don't say that we have a whole lot of that going on today, but we have a whole lot of people that make like to have that kind of power and authority. And we, uh, we're kind of backwards about believing it. I, I say backwards because that's where we need to be because when we see charlatans, we ought to be able to recognize them. But folks, I want to tell you something. God still heals. But he doesn't heal because some man lays his hands on you. He doesn't heal because somebody prays over you. All of that helps. That's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. That's good stuff. He heals because Jesus is there. Jesus enters that person's body and soul and, and heals the sickness and the disease. It's Jesus that does it. It's not some charlatan preacher that wants to make a kingdom for himself here on this earth and a reputation for himself while he's here. Jesus is the one that does it. We need to understand that. Jesus has the power over these unclean spirits and over our physical illness. We get sick. I don't know about y'all. I'm kind of slow to go to the doctor. I don't, I, just, I don't like to go. Sometimes it's necessary. But the first doctor we ought to go talk to is Dr. Jesus. He ought to be at the top of the list. Now, a lot of times we can avoid having doctor bills by going to Jesus. And we've seen miraculous things. I know y'all have too. But I, I have a, a different perspective. Herschel has a different perspective being ministered. We get to go in the hospital and see six folks. We get to see dying folks that don't die. They come back to life. Why? Because God's in there. And there's not a doctor in the world that could have changed their condition and saved their life but Dr. Jesus. And he does it on a regular basis. And people are so surprised when these doctors here on this earth cure somebody that's deathly ill. Well, I want to tell you something. We may have some good medicine. We may have some good people practicing medicine. But we had not got any better a physician than the great physician. Yeah, hey, I don't care if people claim the medicine heals you, the doctor heals you, I know who heals you. And it's most important that he heals the soul. And that eternal part of us that's going to spend eternity somewhere, it's best to spend it with him in glory. That unclean spirit was cast out. And he, <laughs> the unclean spirit didn't like it. You notice that from the scripture? <laughs> when he cast it out, the, it's cried out. He didn't want to go somewhere else. You know why? 
I know where Jesus was going to send him. There wasn't a place to be. When the unclean spirit cried out, he cried, What do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You see, whether all of us intelligent human beings on this planet here are smart or not, it doesn't make any difference. These little old demons and devils and what have you that occupy another world know who Jesus is. They're one up on most people on this planet. They know who Jesus is. And when they came out of this person, Jesus said, be quiet, hush. He wanted people to believe him, not a miracle. Now, there are people out there on television, day in and day out, that want you to believe in the miracle. Don't believe in the miracle. You believe in the one that does the miracle. Amen. Not hands or prayers or anything else. The one that does the miracle is Jesus. He told the demon to shut up. <laughs> that's basically, that's, that's southern vernacular, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Be quiet. Be quiet. He didn't want anybody to get an advance notice about him and who he was. Now, <laughs> listen, sometimes we hear in our lives, in dealing with six people, that folks get a lot worse than their condition is just before they get well. Have you ever noticed that? People get really, really sick, and then all of a sudden, just boom, they get well. Well, it, it wasn't any difference here. Uh, they were amazed when that demon came out of the man and convulsed the man he made him have convulsions. Y'all know what that is, don't you? We're all adults. We should know what convulsions are. Uh, not just absolutely the, <laughs> the throwing up sick tremors. <laughs> he went into convulsions in his mind and in his body. Jesus, when Jesus cast a demon out, because the demon didn't want to let go. He wanted to have control. And Jesus made him come out of there. And they were all amazed, verse 27 said, so they began to argue with one another, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. When we see things that are miraculous, we have a tendency to pass them off or overlook them, making a reason or an excuse for them. Folks, we need to be aware of Jesus' work around us. Jesus is at work in our lives, in our community, our part of the world, every day, 24 hours a day. He's doing something. We need to pay attention. Now, you've heard the expression, we're so poor we can't pay nothing but attention. We can do that. And we need to. We need to pay attention to the spiritual matters, especially of life, and pay attention to Jesus. One of the ways we pay attention to him is listening to him. And one way we can hear him is right here. This is where you hear him. This is where he speaks to us mostly and primarily, right here. Sometimes directly to your heart. He does me. 
They, they were all amazed that this happened to Jesus and uh, that he was teaching with such authority. And uh, it got around the community. Everybody knew what was going on, and, and Jesus was <laughs> drawing crowds, and uh, people were smashing in on him, and he ended up in, <laughs> in Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. She was probably in the bed with a fever. And he went in to see her. And he took the woman by her hand and he prayed over her. He told her to get up. And she got up. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. This old stuff that you see on the movies and other places about when Jesus healed somebody, they get up staggering around and stumbling around until they can get their balance and, and coordination going. That don't happen. When Jesus healed you, you healed. You're 100% right then. Matter of fact, you might be 110 better than you've ever been. When Jesus brings about the healing, he told her to get up out of that sick bed, and she got up. This woman that they were concerned about her living got up out of that bed. What'd she do? She went to the kitchen and started cooking. Isn't that just like a woman? <laughs> She went to the kitchen and started cooking. You ladies just enjoy making us fat. <laughs> that's, hey, that's what she was impressed to do. She was so tickled about Jesus and what he had done. She wanted to repay him. There's not a thing in the world we can do to repay Jesus except serve him. That's all we can do is serve him. Let him know how much we appreciate him. Uh, the scripture said everybody in that vicinity was crowding around the house. They, they got up to the door. They wanted to see what was going on. They wanted to see this man and all of this thing, all of these things that were happening. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was amazing. Uh, when the evening came and the sun went down, they began bringing all their sick to him. They realized what Jesus could do, and they began to bring even the demon-possessed to him for him to cast out the demons. They recognized his power. The whole town, the whole town was assembled at the door to see Jesus, to get a word from Jesus, to get a touch from Jesus. Where is the whole town this morning? Well, some of them on the lake. Some of them fishing. Some of them skiing. Some of them, if when it's hunting season, some are in the woods. And, and people are traveling, going on vacation this time of the year. And uh, that's all right to go on vacation. But when church time comes, we need to stop and go to church. We need to pay God what to do Him. Jesus had authority over these unclean spirits and over the physical illness and he's got the power to save. He has authority over spiritual illness. He can save that which is lost. And I, I see in scripture more than one when Jesus commanded a demon to come out of someone and the demon's got no choice but to come out. 
be screeching and hollering and carrying on, you know, where's he going to go? He's looking for somebody else to get into. Yes, uh, spiritual illness can be displayed in, in several ways uh, that uh, Jesus overcomes. Uh, it can be displayed by hate, by jealousy, by envy. There are so many ways that it can be displayed, this spiritual illness. Jesus can make us well. He get us over all of that. He can fix us to where we're, we're not contagious anymore to those who are not contagious anymore. You know, have you noticed how, look for the word, bad people, that's, just, that's about as nice as I can say it, how bad people have an influence over good people? You can take a bunch of kids. I mean, teenagers are a prime example of this. You can take a bunch of kids out there, a bunch of church kids and a bunch of non-church kids, and put them together, and what's going to happen? I guarantee you within an hour, the church kid's going to be acting like the non-church kid. Now, I don't know why that is, other than the fact that they hadn't got the power yet developed in them to say no to Satan. God gives us the power to say no to hatred, to envy, to strife, to jealousy. He gives us the power. But folks, if I have, <laughs> I'm going to revert to childhood, teenage years now. If I have a, a 1958 Impala Sport Coupe with a 348 engine and a four-barrel carburetor on it, they'll go from zero to 60 in about eight seconds. This is standard off-the-line Chevrolet. If I have one of those, I'm proud of it, and I'm going to use it to its fullest capacity. Folks, we have the capacity of the most powerful thing you can think of on this earth and beyond living in us if we have Jesus. There's no limit to the power. We don't have to be afraid of Satan. We don't have to be scared that he's going to do something to us. Just turn him over to Jesus. Hey, he may be out there and he may be trying to get you, but you build an umbrella around you, you build a, a protection barrier around you in Jesus, he can't get at you unless God lets him And God will let him have once in a while. He won't let him hurt you or destroy you, but he'll let him tempt you. Satan's still in business. And God lets him do things like that for our own good because we grow when we say no to temptation. Y'all know that, don't you? We grow in Jesus when we say no to the devil. Every time we grow. And that's what God wants us to do. Jesus had left the area of Jerusalem and Judea around where he was ministering. And he went into Galilee. Galilee had probably 100, 130,000 people in it spread out from one end of the, to the little country to the other. There were more than 100 little villages in, in that area. And Jesus went over there to minister to those people. 
he wasn't ashamed to get outside of his comfort zone, uh, the area where people were just like him and, and came up under the same religion. He went to people who needed him the most, people who had never heard. Boy, I wish we as Baptists could get that in our head today. We need to go where people need us the most. We may be faithful to church. God bless us if we are. We may be faithful to church. But you're not going to find too many lost people anymore in church. You know where you're going to find them? Out there in the world. You know where you got to meet them? Out there in the world. You know where you need to witness to them? Out there in the world. We start doing that, you know what people are going to say? There's something different about that guy. Wonder what he's got going on. Before too long, he's probably going to ask you, what's the matter with you? You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't cuss, you don't run around, you don't do nothing. What do you do? I go to church. That don't sound like a lot of fun, does it? They ain't never been in some of these Baptist churches. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. You want to have a time. You get around a bunch of crazy Baptists having a good time, you'll have a good time. It'll be good, clean fun, and you won't regret it the next morning, and you won't have no hangover. <laughs> you don't have to find fun in a bottle or the end of a joint or anything else. You can find fun in fellowship with the Lord. And that's what he wanted these people to do in Galilee. He wanted them to know what the real story was. And he went to tell them, and they responded, and they flocked to him. Now, the message for us as Baptists, if we're going to be the ministers for the Lord Jesus Christ that he wants us to be, we need to get out there among them. I don't mean take part with them. I mean get out there among them. And we need to bear witness while we're there. We don't need to just be there. We need to tell them why we're there. Draw them unto Jesus, and we'll be blessed. That's why he went to Galilee, was to draw people to salvation. He's put us in the United States of America, especially in the South, the Bible Belt, for a reason. And that's to hold this country's britches up, <laughs> if you will allow me that illustration. If it weren't for the Christian people in this country, what would happen? We'd be just like every other nation in the world. Messed up. Sick. Dying. We need to tell people about the doctor. Lead them to Jesus. That's the answer to all of our trouble. Ministry in Galilee was a, an effective ministry. And people came because of the power of Jesus. Jesus, in Matthew 28, 18, the scripture says, And Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So God heals. He heals the body and he heals the spirit. He's got all the power and all the authority. Folks, when we get to thinking we can't do something, well, I can't talk to anybody about Jesus. You know what we're doing? We're telling God he's a liar. 
That's just pure and simple. Bottom line, that's what it is. We're telling God he's a liar because he said you could do anything through me. Anything. But I want to tell you something, like an old coward skeptic like me, that's hard to get through my head. But it's true. He will. I mean, I've talked to people. I just have opportunity to talk to somebody you don't know is important, you know, even. And God opens doors for us, folks, if we'll just take advantage of the door. He wants us to be servants of His. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. God, as we come before your throne of grace again, we come realizing that we fall short so many times of our calling. God, you've uh, sent conviction on us through the form of your Holy Spirit to come to Jesus as our Savior. That's not all that we are called to do. Once we're called to be saved, it's like joining the military. We're called into service. Whatever service that might be, we need to be about doing it. To be obedient to you and that others might see and have the opportunity to be saved. Lord, we love you, and we want to take this opportunity to offer ourselves to you as a sacrifice, to do with us as you would. We lay ourselves on the altar before you today as your servants, asking Jesus' name to bless all those here today. We pray it all in his name. Amen and amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.